step. I also have been encouraging major sports teams to plan reopenings without fans, but the games could be televised. New York State will help those major sports franchises to do just that. Uh, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, whoever can reopen. We're a ready, willing, and able partner. Uh, personal disclosure, I want to watch the Buffalo Bills, but I'm still objective. I'm acting as governor. There's no personal agenda here. Yes, I do want to watch the Bills, but uh, that is not subverting my role as governor. I think this is in the best interest of all the people and in the best interest of the state of New York, even though I do have a coincident personal agenda because I want to watch the Bills. But they are separate agendas. At least someone say I have a conflict of interest. Judges. Welcome everyone to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that makes the New York State Governor's Address. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Man, Frank, your Andrew Cuomo impression is just off the hook. Like it gets better it's, and better every time. I just sort of try and sound like a younger Mario Cuomo. Is my <laughs> is my plan, and and I feel bad for those wondering. Yes, he mentioned the Buffalo Bills, and I I just accidentally cut off the part where he talks about how much he loves our podcast. So uh, you'll just have to take my word for the fact that um, he took time out of his his uh, daily briefing to to discuss our podcast as well, you know, as the team. Um, the to governor that went on too long. His his statement like it was already like like we're, we're, why are you still talking? Like you made your joke move on with it like what also how do you have you can have different interests but you only really can only have one agenda like you yeah. having a personal by definition a personal agenda is a list of things that you want to have happen like you can say like i have my personal life where i am interested in what happens with the bills but it does not affect my professional agenda it's just poorly phrased like i, I get it he's doing a lot of press conferences talking from the hip it's not gonna be polished but Come on, yeah, I, I feel like all of the points Scott is making are ones we violate every time on the podcast. There's kind <laughs> of an agenda, you know, it's there. You know, sometimes we ask certain questions. Some, you know, we 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 violate pretty much everything you said from the very beginning of that. But he's a governor, so. And if you would like more hot takes on our our, our uh, podcast about about these types of things, you could catch up with us on maybe next governmental agenda uh podcast uh, see i can't even do the joke anymore we haven't done that joke in so long if you'd like more thoughts on our <laughs> our feelings on andrew cuomo's press conference you can check in with maybe next press conference which will be posted uh only to the patreon feed um google it right now and you'll i'm sure you'll find our patreon feed uh yes yeah, sorry okay we've we've goofed off enough i was excited to have audio to play i felt like it was a cool uh a, a little you know for the first time um there's a bit of i don't even i guess it was levity i guess it was in fact levity in the daily coronavirus update from uh governor mario cuomo uh one andrew of the, cuomo. man andrew cuomo, it is governor not 1988 cuomo. anymore frank shut up <laughs> maybe it is <laughs> you don't know they haven't been outside governors ago. That's that's true. It can, I don't even know what year it is right now. So fair point. My day started off with me getting called Hitler, and I'm not retelling this story here. I just told the other two the story. It was unwarranted, and it's just kind of been a rough day, 
you know, day 64 of quarantine is 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 catching up to me. Anyway, Andrew Cuomo's press conference, Buffalo Bills mentioned uh, the hope is that as he as you heard him say, getting major sports teams ready to reopen without fans is possible. They're ready to work with teams that have good plans for that. So that's all very exciting to hear. Uh, we also have the schedule, which is where we're going to start. Uh, but we have other obvious news that people who keep up with the team, I'm sure, are in- anxious to hear us talk about. Uh, I've rambled enough. The schedule is here. Let me turn to Scott first. Scott, you were the one who pointed this out, but the governor speaking about this uh, and, you know, currently in the throes of a pandemic. Uh, how do you feel about this season being played? I mean, uh... Well, I guess my my professionally as a podcaster, it's important that the season be played. But personally, as a human, I'm concerned about the death. Yeah. Um, No, uh, I think it's tough. I mean, um, obviously, yeah, like it'd be great to have football. I will say here in in England, um, I know it just over the corner in Germany, like they came back with Bundesliga like just this last weekend. Yeah, they heard um, that there. too. People were just like, sure, play it. We'll watch it. Well, no. So that was the thing. There was actually a fair bit of anti-Bundesliga, like, social media and, like, quasi-protest okay. activity of people saying, like, hey, uh, not cool. We are not through this. This is a diversion. Um, you're You're putting the players' lives at risk by letting them congregate in these kind of atmospheres, and you're doing it strictly as a money grab. In an attempt to get, you know, uh, to to get, you know, to fulfill like TV contracts and stuff and ad sponsorships, which, I mean, ultimately, like all professional sports is functionally a money grab. So I'm not sure that that argument really holds up too much. Um, but when it comes, so, but that's the thing, like, and you know, Germany's done fairly well at this, and they're not quite sure it's going to okay. I think it's going to be very interesting because I think the demographic of people in the United States who would line up with the uh, you know, don't take anyone's risks. We're not through this. Let's not um, let's not risk anything does not line up with the, uh, you know, go, you know, uh, J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets demographic. Um, I'm pretty sure those aren't the same groups here. So I think in that sense, it'll be interesting to um, see how it plays out. I don't. I think that the political environment will bully the NFL into starting on time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's going to be a great decision. I think it will be without fans. I cannot rule out that there won't be like a, um, like some gradiated, like in allowing a fans in at some point during the season. Um, I also wouldn't rule out. I don't, I wouldn't rule out the chance that once things get going, that they could stop again. Um, if there's a second spike or if there's another, uh curve or frankly if there's a political change and who's the president then i could see there being a pushback on the idea that we need to be doing professional sports right now but um i i feel like on the other hand i i would not i'm not say that's likely just because um i think that once things get going it's going to be very hard to take them off track like people are going to get too used to it they're not going to want to go back to the way things are and i think people's tolerance for other people dying will be much higher because there would be so much other things lost and so many other things underway that people will be able to kind of explain it away or, 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 um, or kind of allow themselves to be okay with it. I'm not saying that's okay, 
I'm just saying, I think that I'm just kind of assessing a little bit of the human psychology, at least what I think the human psychology will be. But I don't know. It'll be, so, I mean, obviously it's totally unprecedented. So no one has any idea what's going to happen. It'll be, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I mean, those are excellent points, Scott. I think one, uh, to the very first point with the schedule, we, you know, it's it was tough for me to get excited with the schedule release is, is, as much as I've been the past years, especially when you look at, wow, you know, right now they've got three of the four or four of their final five, three of their final five games are scheduled for prime time. And the other one could be prime time because it's flex and all this other stuff. But it was tough to get excited knowing that that could change at the, the drop of a hat. Who knows if this schedule will be played, if these dates will hold, if it does get played, and the times will hold if it does get played, and if fans will be allowed. I think one thing that football has an advantage on right now is, you know, in the sport of baseball, there's been a proposal to start the season, I believe in July, early July. If that manages to happen, and if baseball, if you will, kind of takes the lumps on this and figures out, you know, all right, this is what's worked with our approach. This is what hasn't worked. That gives the NFL some time to adjust its plans and its protocols. And uh, sorry, the ambulance is coming for me here. Uh, major heart attack as I talk about this highly charged issue. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So how is baseball going to go? You know, that's going to be a big indicator for, you know, whether or not the 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 football season will go off on time as scheduled. I think the other thing, and, and Scott brought up the idea that, you know, the governments could end up bullying the NFL and starting the season on time. There will become a question for us as a society, not just with sports, but most prominently with sports, because that's where you have 70,000 people in close proximity at once is, you know, at what point is it the concern? Are you trying to balance out flattening the curve versus self-quarantine until we have an antibody or vaccine or, or people develop antibodies or there's a vaccine or whatever, just to make sure that almost no one uh, is, you know, going to die of coronavirus. So that's going to be a challenge and a balance that is going to have to be struck at some point. So I think I'm cautiously optimistic there will be an NFL season. I think it's going to be a different NFL season than we've ever seen before. And I don't know if it's going to go by this exact schedule we have laid out. But, you know, obviously we'll see, you know, how much of this comes to reality in what, three and a half months now. I think one of the things that I that caught my attention first, because if you remember the original or the one of the rumors was that you'd play the NFC games first, followed by the out of division. Um, I think I think that was AFC John games. Clayton who floated that that was going to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't happen. And it made it made sense if you believed that they were worried about starting the season on time. I'm wondering, though, if the less safe option is going to be finishing the season. Because if if this disease, this virus tracks like the flu, which it does obviously have some relationship to there is a up it's an upper respiratory virus there is some thinking that's not entirely proven or disproven that it could slow down or die off in the summer and resurface in the late fall and the winter when we normally see flus which would actually make the end of the season the more dangerous time to be commingling uh, especially if we don't have um vaccines and antibodies and treatments that are that are understood um and so I, I, I that's just one thing I thought of is that it might not even just be we don't 
you know, you could start the season, but what happens if you can't finish it? Is that almost even worse? Um, the other thing I did was I went through and I tried to see, and I, and to be fair, I didn't, uh, or to be honest, not to be fair, I didn't get a lot of chance to do a lot of research about this because actually there's not a ton written about it. But, you know, this country has experienced pandemics before, both in the 50s and uh, in the in the early 1918-1919 flu, often called the Spanish flu. And then there was another one in the late 50s. Uh, which there was one in the seventies, late seventies, disco fever that caught uh, yes. too many people. Man, disco fever, them. yeah. And then um, there was the outbreak of that in nineteen ninety six through disco inferno. Uh, yeah, so that was obviously the mutated version of disco mm-hmm. disco fever. Um, but it's funny because you could you, you know nineteen eighteen in baseball is a famous year because it was the last year the Red Sox had won um, up until very recently, and nineteen nineteen was the Chicago White Sox scandal. So we know that both of those World Series were played over those years. Um, and that, you know, 1919 was when the Green Bay Packers incorporated. So there wasn't really an NFL yet, but there was an, a 1957 and a 1958 NFL season. So they played those games. And I never saw any evidence of, you know, them sort of taking these types of precautions for things. Um, and then the last thing that did happen, though, is the 1919 Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, between the Montreal Canadiens and the Seattle Metropolitans, which was not finished because the deciding game six. Okay, right. They first of all, they were tied two and two with one tie. So if they had just played five games and had no ties allowed, they would have finished it. But they never actually finished the se- the, the the series uh, because the sixth game was canceled because of an outbreak of influenza. One of the players which player was it? Joe Hall died of pneumonia brought about by the flu. His funeral was held in Vancouver on April 8th with most team members attending, but basically both teams, you know, got crushed by this flu. Um, George Kennedy was also stricken. His de- condition declined um, and seemed to recover and was released from the hospital, but he never uh, recovered, fully recovered and died a few years later. So there's no, if you look at the ring on the Stanley cup, it says 1919 Montreal Canadian Seattle metropolitan series, not completed. And so we know that it can affect sports and it has affect sports. I guess I didn't look up the NBA. I know the NBA and the NHL are thinking about contained series. Like the NBA wants to finish at like Disneyland was one of the ideas. Like you could go to Disneyland, which is closed and use their sports facilities and everybody could stay there. But I mean, that's a lot of strain on players and players' families. And it's not like, you know, for, forget me and maybe wanting to watch sports. Like, you know, some people have to actually show up and play it. And so, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive to the idea that, um, you know, players might not be comfortable. Do we want to take a beat on that? I know that there was the baseball player, uh, Snell, who pitches for Tampa, who's basically said that he yeah, has no intentions of yeah. has no intentions of pitching this year because – you know, it's not worth it to him. And there's been sort of like some shaming of him. Uh, and then some people who sort of, and not, I guess I'll go first. I, I kind of agree. Like if he's willing to void his contract and mm-hmm. live with the consequence, then he as an individual is entirely entitled to do that. And so, you know, tough shit and for everybody who thinks he should have to play. Like it's, you know, some sort of calling to him that, you know, especially if they're not going to like, you know, it doesn't sound like, you know, the, the um, owners are necessarily willing to take it on the chin with regards to some of the 
precautions and and the the pay loss. You know, they want him to come in for less money to pitch uh, with a bunch of people, and you know, and if it's not worth it to him, then he doesn't have to do it. Does anybody disagree with that? Scott Paul, want to chime in and agree? Whatever. I mean, I think yeah. Ultimately, like. I mean, I mean, I guess I would say this is ultimately the decision that the whole every everyone in society is going to have to make on some level. Right. Everyone who is not already working because uh, they are deemed essential or whatever the, the the version of that is, or at least in the places that were 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 still were locked down for as long as they were, um, which is not everywhere, obviously. Um, you know, everyone's going to have to make that choice about what kind of risks they're willing to take, and for. 99.9% of Americans until this thing happened, there was no risk calculus of I might get, I might go to work and get sick and die later. Like that was never right. going to be part of the equation for 99.9% of Americans. Like that is just something that never has been part of the psyche for most people, just in general. Like there's mm-hmm. a very small percent that is. And everyone is going to have to deal with that risk in one way or another. Um, some people may deal with it by, you know, the, 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 this, that's why they, uh, that's why they call it the risk management. Like that's what George was always talking about with risk management, right? Was you have to manage the risk. I'll no, tell you was, what, you read the book and book. you can teach me. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, was that you can't eliminate the risk. Like right. you have to go to the store you have to do certain things on one level. And then once you realize you can't eliminate the risk, then it's just a question about how, how much, much you're yeah. willing to put up with. And it's very, everyone kind of has to make that calculation on their own. And I'm, and I would trust everyone to do that. But I would also say that it's there are like people who think that they're going to get through this. Like I'm not going to do anything until there's a vaccine or I'm not going to, and, and, and there is a certain amount of criticism. And I, and to be fair, I think it is mostly in at least my circle of, of people who I see on social media sometimes because of the people I hang out with people who have the luxury in many respects to avoid going to, to real jobs, um, who don't have to go to a place and do a thing. They are in the, the service economy, the creative economy, the IT economy, whatever that is. They're lawyers that, that can work from their computer at home and exactly, whatever <laughs> that is. Record a podcast. Can, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> All those worthless people who don't have real jobs. Exactly. They don't have to think I know through. I'm a worthless person. It's okay. <laughs> the calculus of, of and, and criticizing I think that's the thing that's criticized me the most. And again, we're getting off sports here is that the thing that's bothering the most is this kind of like, how dare you open your bar? How dare you open your restaurant or your hair salon and in, in defiance of the orders. And I'm like, I'm not in favor of people like obeying like government orders, but to be fair, like the governments are all kind of making this up as they go along here. It's pretty clear that at least the federal government is. And on the same line, like, it's pretty easy to sit there while you're cashing your check because you can work at home and not have to think about what you would do and how you'd put food on the table for your family if the government came in and shut down your business without giving you a super great explanation of why, other than just, well, it's it's scary, it's a pandemic, so let's just be on the safe side. Like, that 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 cuts it for about two weeks or a month, and then after that, like, you're going to have to do better than that. So I, I'm very sympathetic, but getting back to sports, I don't think um, it's not... I wouldn't expect anyone to, you know, ultimately I can't criticize anyone who doesn't want to play and I can't criticize any owners for cutting people who don't want to play. 
you know, that's that's life. Uh, I was hoping Scott would go on for another minute because I was trying to find a quote that my I could uh, go on for hours, but well, I, don't I think know. The people but there was a, when you were talking, you brought up just the uh, how we have so many people who, you know, the three of us included, who are in positions where it's like, oh, you know, uh, it's not really we can just take however long we need to get this together. Well, we can. Many others can't. And they've brought, uh, you know, my friend uh, Mina is his name. He mentioned with the health crisis, the big thing is, yes, you have the risk up front of people going out. But then you're going to have the longer you stay in, the more people will develop, you know, mental health issues. And the more people find it difficult to get treated for issues they would normally get treated for more quickly because hospitals aren't overwhelmed with, you know, COVID-19 victims. So there is a point when you finally have to say, we have to open this up. And Scott also brought up in terms of anticipatory reasoning, we are terrible. This is why people don't yes. grasp climate change uh, out there, which is just phenomenal to me that they they can't do this, but they're not good about thinking ahead. Like we were talking about coronavirus. We're linear, we're, as creatures, we're linear thinkers, not exponential thinkers. So we like anything that like builds is impossible for us to understand. <laughs> Yep. We we do not understand that. Like the second we start self-isolating on March, whatever that was, 16th, that's when governors should have a part of their team starting to plan like, okay, when are when can we look to reopen? What are the metrics that will need to be met? What are the processes in place? How do we have to handle sports, restaurants, et cetera? Like that's thinking needs to start well in advance. So when you get to certain points like, oh, okay, I guess we're ready to start reopening. All right. Reopen the restaurants, tables eight feet apart. Ventilation has to be this way et cetera, et cetera. But then we drag our feet and decisions don't get made very quickly. And, you know, we're just, we're terrible at it. So it's it's frustrating, but we are going to have to gradually start, you know, getting society back because Buffalo's unemployment is 25% right now. And that is awful, but it's also not out of that out of line with where it is in other places right now. And people will die from poverty uh, just as more so than they will coronavirus if you don't, you know, be careful on where that line is. Um, but yeah, people like Snell, uh, he should be totally allowed to void his contract for the season and sit out. And that's his prerogative. Absolutely, he can do that. And, you know, I so I'd have no issue with that. And I think football players and anyone should be allowed to do the the same. So, you know, more power to them if they're concerned about their health. There's, you know, we won't get into wrestling here, but we know there's a very prominent wrestler who's like, oh, I've had leukemia. I've got to be careful here right. uh, as far as exposing myself. So, you know, and to bring it back to sports as I'm venturing away as, as Scott did here, that, that, you know, I think you have to start the planning. Now you have to have 80,000 contingency plans for how this could work. Um, but if you do that, there's no reason you can't pull off some semblance of a season somehow. And we didn't even talk about what happens if one team, one player on one team tests positive for Corona and it spreads quickly. What the hell happens? Do they forfeit? Do they, you know, yeah. that's their concern. But that's kind of I the think- nightmare scenario that you got to plan for. And I think that we could probably, you know, vent about this for a while. So I think I'm going to cap it here only so that we can ensure we that spent 24 minutes on well, it. No, it we, we, actually did, we actually <laughs> didn't spend all that much time on. So, and it, it's part of the season. The, yeah. the question of what's going to happen with the season is, is in part uh, is, uh, you know, are we going to play it? And what does that look like? And it's okay that we did a little bloodletting and it's good. And I'm gonna, you know, I, I have plenty left to say too. I'm just not going to do it. We're just going to kind of 
everyone's going to take a knee. So thank you very much for that. Let us proceed, though, as if they are going to have a um, season. Uh, they also finalized the preseason, which I think is kind of laughable, but here we go. Um, the Bills' schedule, though? Just real quick, Paul, yeah. just to be clear, Frank vehemently disagrees with one of us, and he doesn't want to do it on the pod, right? That's Precisely. What the, that's exactly that's, what what, that's what's going on That's right exactly now, right? what he's covering, yeah. Precisely. Okay. Or both of you. Maybe I just, yeah. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> so on. the preseason is at Baltimore, home against Atlanta and Indianapolis, and then the return to Detroit um the Detroit series uh week four um yeah the preseason before we open up with the New York Jets at home uh then we go on the road to my Miami uh we get the Rams at home before we head out to the Vegas Golden uh Raiders in at a four <laughs> in a 425 tilt um the Tennessee Titans on the road again uh, so, you know, in the continuing saga of playing Tennessee, we get Kansas City on a Thursday night. So for the first time, a Thursday night game actually feels kind of like a primetime game because Kansas City, obviously, the because defending it's not Super the Bowl champions. Yeah. Right. Or the Jets. Right. <laughs> you know, then week seven on the road to, to finish the series against the Jets. Week eight is the first time we see the the Brady list, New England Patriots. Um, so we, should, in a weird way, it'll be nice because we'll have a good sense of what that team is. They'll be coming to Buffalo. Uh, Seattle will come to Buffalo. Then the Bills will go to Arizona for their second 4 o'clock in the afternoon start. Week 11, they are off. Then they play the uh, LAC, help me, LA Chargers. Chargers. I, was, I wanted to say the Clippers for a second. Uh, no, I, I we have LAC. We had, uh, you did well with LAR and LVR at the beginning of the schedule because I, yeah. like, I don't even know I'd get that right. And I drafted uh, you know, the layout on this. Right. Uh, so the Chargers will come to Buffalo, followed by the Niners in San Francisco on Monday night. They will have another primetime game the next week against Pittsburgh uh, at 8.20 p.m. Or sorry, Pittsburgh will be coming to Buffalo uh, in the counter in the home and home with last Sunday night's uh, game this year. Uh, then we have Denver Saturday or Sunday, depending on. The schedule week 15 is that like Christmas weekend? Is that what's going on there, or it's almost Christmas weekend? Week 15, yeah, yeah is, that's why that's that flex week. It's like, yeah, it's like the, the 20th or the 21st. So, depending, it's going to be a Saturday, Sunday flex, uh, depending. We'll find out then. And then New England is their second Monday night of the year, uh, and then they finish the season week 17 against the Dolphins, uh, at home. So, there'll be so two Monday night games. A Sunday night game, so three primetime proper games. Then you get two late afternoon games uh, so for five not one o'clock games. And then there's a Saturday-Sunday game, which th that could be a Saturday night game. Yeah, they could Denver. have four straight weeks of primetime games because right. last year they were in that spot in week 16 with the Patriots, and they got flexed to a Saturday night game. And I don't know. You look at that Chargers game and that Dolphins game, and... There's no reason, like, especially week 12, that could be like a suddenly a, hey, that's a big AFC matchup. Maybe we want to make that the Sunday night game. You know, it depends. We have to see kind of what the rest of the schedule looks like. But there's room for them to even be four. But they're guaranteed with guaranteed to have three um, and five total not at one o'clock in the afternoon. So if not more, um, you know, ESPN twice, uh, NBC twice. Pretty good schedule. Um, they don't do any more than two road games in a row. 
They also don't have any more than two home games in a row, and they only have two home games in a row once. Um, I think, yeah, weeks eight and nine are back-to-back, and then everything else is spaced out. So pretty even schedule. I guess they requested not to have, like, their West Coast road games altogether. There was something about that. There are certain teams that I believe they give teams the option of, you know, do you want to just stay out on the West Coast and consolidate the trips to the best degree we can? Or do you want to spread, you know, to spread them out a little bit? And I guess the Bills chose to spread them out. It's also worth noting that there used to be years where you might have to visit. um, I think it was like you might have to visit Seattle and San Francisco or something like that. Now they do it so you never have to visit both in a season. Like you'll visit san francisco but you host seattle and vice versa so you'll never have to go as far west uh, okay fc games uh so i mean a good schedule right it, it has all the teams we thought it would have in it um <laughs> and uh and uh it's it's balanced i don't know it's it's certainly uh there's stuff going on in it it's lots of prime time scott do you have any any thoughts on on you want to share on the schedule writ large before we yeah i mean make our like, initial predictions here yeah i mean obviously like it's different cuz it's like oh there, there there's there's teams on this schedule this yeah. is weird like <laughs> that that road game <laughs> at san francisco defending nfc champions that was not a game that was on our schedule too much the last like 20 years right. that was just not like that's uh that's gonna be not particularly fun. There's a lot of not particularly fun games on this schedule. I mean, frankly, like all things considered, we we get we do okay just because like um we actually get a fair amount of them at home. Um, but if you really like like even then, like it's not like home dates against well, let's see, we got yeah, like the Titans. I mean, I think the Titans are a bit overrated, but I'm not really excited to like see them coming into Orchard Park. Mm-hmm. Um obviously Road game at the Chiefs, boy, that's a tough, that's a tough one. Might want to just chalk that up as an L, kind of right now, because because they're really good. Um, so it's you know it, it I don't I don't want to go too too far into like the game by game, but it's certainly like a varsity level schedule. Um, that's what you know, happens which, when you finish second, right? And you make yeah, the playoffs. That is what happens. You you definitely have to have to do that do that dance with with the top teams, and the Bills are going to have to earn it, and. Um, you know, the, everyone's, you know, and that's the thing is no excuses more this year. You know, we got all the pieces together and everything should be really kind of laid out like it's supposed to. So, I, I, you know, you can't can't say much about the schedule other than, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have, um, you know, at this point, it's like the AFC East games, are the ones you're like almost looking forward to as it's like those are the ones where it's like we got we got some got some chances here. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, you know, and, and if it plays out, you know, what, what that looks like. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in the same, but we knew this was going to be a difficult schedule and I'm the first guy to say every year, you know, the results of the previous season are certainly not going to be indicative necessarily of, of uh, you know, how the following season is going to go. But I would be shocked if this isn't the toughest overall schedule they've had in a long time, just because, Say even Seattle randomly takes a dip. Well, if they take a dip, it also means that maybe Kyler Murray in Arizona really starts, you know, continue some of the upward trend we saw at the end of last year. 
maybe Kansas City and San Francisco aren't the Super Bowl teams this year. But if they're not the Super Bowl teams, maybe those spots have been taken by other teams on the Bills schedule. Like so it, with Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger's back. Like you could go through all of these. Tennessee, Scott had mentioned, like, yeah, I think they're overrated too. They still made the AFC title game after beating the uh, Ravens, uh, beating the Patriots and then the Ravens on the road. So I'm not going to, you know, just chalk that one up to, yeah, no problem on that that game. So this is, it's going to be a challenging schedule. And I think everyone said, I shouldn't say, let me walk that way back. A lot of people said that last year, the Bills were as successful as they were because they had an easier schedule. No, if if they're 10 and six this year, no one's going to be saying that, you know, this is, there are going to be difficult games on the schedule, even if we don't know who exactly is going to be the most difficult. So this is in the fact that they're getting so many prime time games there's definitely that national level of respect now as scott mentioned like we weren't getting monday night games against super bowl champions maybe you know the patriots now and then just because they throw afc's teams a bone and like hey we'll put you on prime time against the pats this time but you know otherwise to be like oh san francisco yeah let's make buffalo san francisco monday night game like it's not 1991 you know it's it's 2020 that's a that's a a big deal now that that's happening so um you know like are you was, sure because i heard that Mario Cuomo was the governor of New York. <laughs> yep. If, uh, and if, if there's a big game winning catch by Pete Metzlars, we'll know for sure. We'll uh, know for sure. That's happened. Yeah. There, there are no punts. So many, so many indicators that it could actually be 91. So yeah, I mean, this is, like I said, I wasn't super excited when the schedule was released only because I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, but assuming these games go down as is, this should be, an exciting season that can go so many different ways, uh, you know, definitely has me looking forward to it actually happening. Hopefully you mentioned that the, that the division for the first time seems like the, the, the safe, the safe place, you know, our, our safe place, this place, this year. <laughs> um, I, I tend to agree. And I think that's one of the promising things about the schedule is that even though you are playing a varsity level outside of conference, outside of division, um, the teams that are tough are still, you know, beatable and you, you should win five, if not six of the games in the division. I'm sorry, but like, you know, you, you I, I think you got to look at the Jets and the Dolphins and say you're still better than these teams unless unless Tua is sort of for some reason amazing. Um, you would yeah. expect to be better. And I, and I think that even if you, you know, want to be extra cautious about the Patriots, how can you not beat them once and, and call the season success no matter how you cut it? So I'm looking at that and I think, well, that's kind of where the the uh, the bread and butter is this year. And so they'll have room to make hay. I think that this is a favorable schedule in that regard. And it is filled with teams that they've beaten before, um, you know, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, those aren't going to be easy games, but they're winnable games. Um, again, with Arizona, like you'd, you'd think, okay, Arizona, the Las Vegas Raiders, like not great teams last year. So even with added talent, they should be kind of beatable. Um, Denver, I mean, what do we make of Denver? So I'm looking at it and I think, you know, 10 wins is doable. And I think that the division should be I think the division should be the goal. I mean, the, the initial goal for sure. I don't think it should be the only goal, but I think the Bills should be talking division, and I think that they should be – I think it's a disappointment. I'll say right now, if they make a, the wild card and don't win the division, that's a disappointment to me. So anyway, uh, that's that. Do we? All right. 
Um, so Frank comes out against the Bills winning the wild card and winning the Super Bowl. Yes. Because we didn't win the division. That's what Precisely. I Precisely. I'm yep. all about the 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 banners. So I want that. <laughs> Except in baseball. Banner. We're fine with it in baseball. <laughs> so are the Miami Marlins. Uh you know, okay, fine. Caveat is if they make the Super Bowl via the wild card, that'll be that'll they'll have salvaged redeem, the season. Yes. If they win you. multiple playoff games from a wild card position, I I would end up being okay with it. Right. Okay. Um I'll tell you what I'm not okay with. Uh, and let me get right on my old my old man box uh, here and yell, is Ed Oliver getting pulled over in Houston, Texas, in a car, first of all? Um, so already wondering where he was late at night because we had, you know, well, Texas, I guess, is, is not in lockdown. So as a proud Texan, do what you want. But what you don't do is drink and drive, you asshat. And you definitely don't do it with an open beer between your legs. And you definitely don't do it when you're an NFL player and it's going to cost you maybe $7 million. So, and a couple of games and what the fuck dude. And so that's my, those are my feelings on Ed Oliver who, who was pulled over in Houston. We've got a mug shot. We've got a sobriety field test. You can watch on video. Um, there is, you know, a minimum two game suspension. If you get, uh, some sort of reprimand with alcohol, uh, you know, break the league with alcohol. So he's going to get suspended. And whenever you are suspended, apparently that allows the team to void your guaranteed money contracts. Uh, and so there you go. Uh, he really could, you know, and coming off of a, I don't want to say a bad season last year, but he didn't establish himself the way that everybody sort of expected him to. And so here are the bills with, uh, you know, lots of people who can play defensive tackle. Um, maybe he's costing himself some money. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to cut him, but let's go with Paul first this time. Yeah. And then we'll work our way around to Scott. G- give me your thoughts on Ed Oliver and, and the situation here. Yep. First, uh, just want to mention on your previous point, Jim Kelly just said, if Bills don't win AFC, something's wrong. So obviously he just heard what Frank said. But and on Jimbo, to... Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, well, he, we were on a text chain together, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, on, to, on to Ed. Yeah. I mean, I this... Yes, to me... I'll I'll come out and say yeah, this is not a you know cuttable offense. Uh, it is, however, an offense, and you're gonna get punished for it, and you will deserve to get punished for it. This to me is, you know, you were driving under the influence. We all saw the field sobriety test. Something wasn't right with him. Uh, you know, it's a little bit wobbly there, whether it was alcohol or drugs or anything else. You know, who knows? But he was clearly impaired and should not have been operating a motor vehicle and it's a it's a dumb decision we can a lot of people come out and you know what i will jump mildly ahead to one of the questions we got on twitter which was uh jesmond uh thank you for the question saying could you discuss the phrase old enough to know better you know in relation to say drinking and driving and that that to me like you should always know that like you're reared to know like, okay, it's not good to drink and drive. And then you're in a position where you have enough money to buy your own driver to drive you everywhere if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And you, not even making an excuse for the people that don't have that. There's there's really no excuse. And you know the point is we were all old enough to know better when we were kids before we were driving. You know, uh, you just, you you learn. And so I, I don't buy the, oh, he was young and dumb excuse. Because you, 
especially when you have what six and a half million dollars in guaranteed money at stake like many nights during this this pandemic i have sat on my couch had pretzels and a beer and watched horror movies and if you said paul here's six and a half million dollar signing bonus to do your job but you can't sit on your couch and eat pretzels and watch horror movies. I am disconnecting my Roku and I am never allowing pretzels in the house. You know, you're going to discipline yourself to not cost you that. And it's a bad sign that he couldn't discipline himself to do that. Um, I've saved all the harsh criticism really kind of upfront um, because he definitely should know better. And this is really inexcusable and he deserves the suspension that's going to be levied at him. Um, but I'll say the, the lighter son say it was a dumb mistake. Uh, he thankfully did not harm anyone or harm himself. Yeah. He needs to accept his punishment. I believe these are misdemeanor offenses. And he needs to learn from this and come back and, and play better. So that pretty much is my Ed Oliver standing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's too much to add. I mean, I think I, I would I would definitely... I'm not going to give him the writ of boys will be boys uh, because yeah, right. um, that, that, that Lisa Simpson asked for uh, when Bart got in trouble that one time. Um, but it's, 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 it's not, it's not quite as wipe awayable as that. Cause yes, he could have killed someone. He could have killed himself. He could have, you know, ruined somebody's livelihood or ruined their car, which could be their livelihood. And that's, that's not a joke. Um, and I, I would hope that he will understand that. Um, you know, but at the same time, I'm also like, I did stupid stuff when I was 22. And, you know, most people get a chance to learn from a mistake um, like this, because most people don't end up killing someone that doesn't excuse a mistake. It just means that there are a fair amount of people who exist in regular everyday life who have made mistakes similar to this, um, you know, potentially more than once, because, you know, who knows, but, um, but the it, it that so none of that excuses what's happening i'm just saying he has a chance to learn from it and grow from it because he is so young mm-hmm. and and that is it's it's definitely like there's lots of guys who had one one screw up and then they kind of ended up straightening out and not really any big issues after that and i hope that's ed there are lots of guys who are like this becomes a continuing issue and then it they never really figure it out and I obviously hope that's not. So, I, you know, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, this is this is the first flag and hopefully that's that's the last one. But you never really know. So, yeah, I think the only thing I'd want to add to that is the litany of people online who are sort of offering him the writ of boys will be boys, which is a little <laughs> just infuriating to me, because if it was a Patriots player, they would be all over him. And yeah. I understand that's a little bit of fandom. Um, but when it comes to serious stuff like this and you're breaking the law, uh, like especially for nonsense, especially for, as Paul points out, entirely preventable stuff. You know, this is, and let's be honest, like the, the only thing I will say is it's probably of all the people who broke the law, who were NFL players that this past week, uh, he, he was at the bottom of that totem pole. So mm-hmm. good for him for not being, you know, committing armed robbery with, you know, semi-automatic weapons, like some other people, uh, in the NFL, but it's still, <laughs> like, like, no, like, the, it, it can be true that people we all make mistakes and that you have to fucking own the mistake and yep. you know so you're asking me what i think of him I, I don't have to think anything of him i can just think that what i know is that's a stupid mistake and i can't believe that somebody in his position 
in with his amount of privilege to be honest in a lot of ways with with regards to this uh would would make a a mistake like this and it is privilege because he is an nfl player and people who are not nfl players in his position would be looking at things like jail time and not necessarily you know and so who knows maybe he he'll end up with that or maybe he'll just end up with a revoked license or a suspended license and pay some big fines and lose some money and you know losing 6.8 million dollars is a big thing i don't think that'll happen to him but um it's a little uh lame that he put himself in the position where it could happen um and we move from one current bill who made a bad choice to the (sighs) ghostly energy world of sammy watkins and his comments on the buffalo bills and his time there where he apparently drank his face off uh his entire time in buffalo and didn't rehab properly and it all went horribly wrong uh and spoke to tyler dunn about that amongst many other things if you read the entire um thing um but he sort of i don't know he kind of admitted i I don't think he 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 said on one hand like Get me out of here. That was his thoughts with regards to Buffalo and, and Sean McDermott. And on the other hand, he made clear that like he made a lot of mistakes while in Buffalo. So it seems pretty balanced. Um, I came away from reading the article about it, like just sc- sort of saying like, yeah, that sounds about right. And not really having hard, awful feelings towards him and also not having any sort of great sympathetic feelings for him. Did you get a chance to read this article, Scott? Uh, no, but I did get kind of the gist as as laid out in a couple different kind of repeats of the of the original kind of article in various blogs and such. So yeah, I mean, I think I got the the the, the meat of it. Um, yeah, and it it sounds pretty much like yeah. I mean, I think no one would have been terribly surprised. I mean, it's not like Clemson University is like hotbed. I mean, obviously it's a college town, so there's a certain amount of partying going on, but it's not like a huge like you know like state capital or anything. Um, where there's a lot of other things going on too. So you, you'd expect that he'd have a little bit of experience with how to be an adult, but obviously, you know, he's, yeah, like Frank said, there's a little bit of, you know, yeah, you, you get some freedom, you get some, you're out on your own, you got too much money and you make some, some poor choices. And obviously he didn't make, you know, as, as poor choices as Ed did um, with the drunk driving. Cause as, as bad as it is that he, he didn't take care of himself and he, you know, he wasted whatever talent and, and time he has, he didn't really endanger anyone else while he was doing that, um, for the most part that we know mm-hmm. of. And therefore, you know, whatever. I mean, it's 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 a, you know, obviously I think the Bills, I think part of it is that the Bills have kind of turned the corner here. Um, and ultimately, we've also had a lot of guys who did not live up to the college build it, uh, bidding, uh, the build up that they yeah. had coming out of college. And so it's not it's not. Um, you know, that's that's why drafting is an inexact science. You know, you try and hope that you've got guys who have their heads screwed on straight straight that that know what's going on. But, you know, even somebody who takes culture as seriously, clearly, as Sean McDermott does, still drafted at Oliver, still had a DUI. Stuff happens. You're never really going to know how somebody reacts to everything they've ever wanted kind of coming to them at once um, until they get it. And so that's tough. Yeah, well phrased on on Scott's part. I won't add too much to it either. I don't think any of it was particularly surprising because we all, I, in, well, I shouldn't say any of it, the ghost stuff and all the other 
things that you can it, I don't want to you don't want to label it as necessarily a mental health issue. He certainly has different views on life and has admitted struggles with depression and so forth that are part of the problem. Um, but I also think Sammy's made a lot of excuses over the course of his career for not ending up being the player that he could be. And they may be legitimate or they may be not, but it was not shocking to find out that part of the reason he was blowing his potential in Buffalo uh, was with alcohol uh, abuse and, you know, struggling to get through the depression, not getting a lot of sleep before practice, all those other things. And again, he did not react as well as we would have hoped to getting everything he wanted it at once. And, you know, it's, it's a shame he didn't work out in Buffalo. He was a, it was a drafting mistake. You hope he, you know, avoids some of the pitfalls that can, you know, befall people when they fall into alcohol abuse problems and so forth. Um, but I'm I'm glad for his sake that the team has moved on from him. I'm glad for the Bills' sake that he's they've moved on from from him. He's got a Super Bowl ring now. Hey, good good for him. That's he had a great game that that day. So you know more power to him. But I think I think everyone involved is happier with the way things are, the way they're at now. That is that is where I will leave that. Oak doke. Uh, Bills listener questions, and then I have a quiz. But I'm not going to do the quiz because we're we're you know we we spend some time here, so we'll save the, the quiz is evergreen, so we can do the quiz another time. So we'll do listener questions and this day in Bill's headlines, and then we're out. All right. Uh, first is uh, before I get to the questions, Brian had given a couple podcasts for us to listen to or for us to check out. I hadn't had a chance to listen to the one, either the PFF one regarding Josh Allen's numbers or the Doug Marone interview. Um, I will get to both of those as Frank will tell you my podcast listening lag time is about three weeks right now. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. So I'll get to it soon. Um, And I will say without having yet listened to the PFF one, I know Sam Monson is on and I've noticed on Twitter in the past, he seems more interested in kind of, poking Bills fans and maybe not exploring the potential flaws in PFF's analytics because he's kind of married to his anti-Josh Allen position as much as he is. But yeah. I will try not to let that influence me when I, I listen and, and, you know, take a balanced approach. Uh, Jasmine had one other question besides the old enough to know better one we addressed. He said, and I'll let you guys answer with your opinion on this first, just because I can tell my voice is going and I have to do the maiden segment yet here at the end. Um, Should I buy tickets for week 17 against Miami coming to Ontario from England for Christmas to visit my wife's family? And it might be the only chance I get to see the bills for years. But if we're in the playoffs, everyone will be rested. See week 17 last year. Kind of funny that this is an actual serious question that we consider those week 17 might not mean anything because we could be resting players for the playoffs for the second year in a row. Yeah. Um, it's great to have that. But Scott is our, is our uh, resident England resident. Uh, on, you, what do you think? Would you, would you make this, this flight? Um, yeah, uh, I'm hard because I don't want to make any flights right now. And even I'm like, not looking forward to making it. Yeah, my advice is like, don't even get on a plane until 2024. But it's like, you know, the cyborgs could have taken over by then. So, well, I mean, you, you have other things as well with your, you and flying and to other things. So, um, yes. the, the thing with me is also the other things of like, I've made, there may be points where I have to fly for work. Mm-hmm. And there may be times when I want to fly for family reasons to like see all of like the, the all like my parents and and my uh, my my wife's parents and people who miss our 
their grandkids very much. Um, mm-hmm. And where it's going to be like, if I'm going to come, gonna, if I'm getting on a plane, it's going to have to be a pretty good reason. I'm already going to be taking some risks to do that. So I don't see getting on a plane for another reason anytime soon. But maybe that's just me. So the answer is yes, you should go to the game. Look, <laughs> if you are going to go that far, right? Then you should, um, you should, you should do it because if th- this way, if things get canceled, then it's all off anyway, and you're you're probably not really out any money. If it's there and the game's happening, I think you're going to have a good time, even if the starters are resting for week 17, because it's still an experience and it's fun, and you can you know buy a shirt and you you were there. Yep, I'm 100% with with Frank. I think the key phrase in your question, Jasmine, is might be the only chance I get to see the Bills for years. Like, if you had an annual trip to Buffalo and you thought about skipping it this year, um, you know, that's that's one thing. But, you know, you're going to be in Ontario, um, assuming you're not going to be super north or super uh, west in Ontario where it's difficult to access Buffalo. Um, I would definitely go because it, it would be an experience. And if you go on the logic of, well, it might not mean anything. It also might mean the world. It could be playing for home field advantage in the the, the playoffs. could be playing for a number three seed instead of a, a number four seed. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm with Frank. Thumbs up and go. Okie dokes. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah, what else do we got? We got this day in Bill's headlines if we want to jump right into it. Oh, yeah, sure. Did we, that was it for, for questions? That was it. That was the only question uh, questions right. we had were from Jesmond and then uh, Brian's. Unless there were some on Facebook. I'm sorry. I did not look at Facebook. Uh, no, I didn't. We didn't even let I, Facebook. I don't, I don't think I posted on Facebook. Yeah. Fine. Good. Good job. All right. So. Uh, Listen, pal. Calm down. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Uh, the stay in Bill's headlines. Um, kind of funny. In 1975, Jeff Winnens, a Bill's offensive lineman, was arrested and charged with leaving the scene of an accident. So this is not a good long weekend for uh, <laughs> linemen on the Bills, uh, historically. Um, this is going to be a great this day in Bill's headlines. You will not only need to know Bill's trivia, but Bill's trivia as it relates to Internet debates, popular honeymoon destinations, and actresses who emerged in the 90s and went on to steady careers in film and television. So here we go. Uh, you know, be ready. Uh, first of all, for 2019, I want to point out that Pete Prisco said the Bills will win the AFC East in 2020 and contend for a wild card in 2019. Mm-hmm. Let's hope uh, that comes to fruition. The second half of that comes to fruition like the, uh, the first part did. All right. 2018. Blank. Or blank, Buffalo Bills running back LaShawn McCoy converts Deion Dawkins to team blank. Now, without context, this will be tough. So I'll give you the, the sub, you know, the, the hint. In the beginning of the clip, the two are at odds. McCoy is hearing blank and Dawkins is hearing blank. McCoy's persistence seems to pay off in the end of the clip with Dawkins suddenly hearing blank. <sighs> Oh, it, this is that. It's is this not the gold the, dress or the blue dress? No, no, it's not no. the gold dress, blue dress. But there was another one that yep. was like a name, and you, it was I can't, I, I won't oh, be able to remember the was, two names. Yes, it was that. It um, was like the audio version of the gold dress, blue dress. Yeah, and it, like one was like a high pitch one, and one's a low pitch one, and it kind of depended on what you were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's as close as we're going to get, Paul. But All I right. think we identified that there was some internet thing that happened. I'll give you one. We'll see if we can get the other. Yanni. No. 
Yanni or and Laurel? Laurel? Yep. Yeah. I, you yep, said yeah. the same name twice. I don't understand. Oh. Yanni <laughs> <laughs> Laurel. Yanni Laurel. <laughs> Yanni or Laurel. All right. Also from 2018, uh, trivia tidbit number two. Former Alabama teammate talks up Buffalo Bills rookie blank. Blank mm. is one of two members of the Crimson Tide to make his way to one Bills drive on Thursday, along with college teammate cornerback Levi Waltz, also signed yeah. as an undrafted signee of the Bills. I was gonna get. I was gonna guess Levi. Is it was Reggie Ragland a Crimson Tider? Yeah, but he was a draft pick, right? Yeah, yeah. he was a draft pick. So, so he was not okay. At least I did. At least I got the college right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Undrafted right. free agent, still still on the Bills roster. He made the team along with Levi, and is you know still there. Um. Trying to figure out a hint uh, that doesn't give position because if I give position, it's gonna make. Is it, it a Williams? It's not a Williams. Bills are at a very low Williams total right now. They've got to work on that. Dangerously low supply of Williams. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't. Well, a very, very good emergence later in his rookie season and then disappointed last year. I'm disappointed last year. Oh, um, um, uh, 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 the wide receiver. Yep. Foster. Yep. Robert Foster. Bob. All right. We had a nice big gap here between meaningful headlines. We're going to go all the way back to 2009 now. Okay. Blank takes field with Buffalo Bills. About 40 media Kevin members. Kevin Everett. No. That, was he around? No, he would have been done at that point. No, but uh, I thought it, this was like, oh, yeah. I was thinking oh, he would have come back. Like and, yeah. Team for minicamp. That would have been totally understandable. Okay, right. go ahead. 40 media members, including a crew from Blank's VH1 reality show. Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens, yep. Yeah. Many more hints about him getting a key to the city that day and everything else were not needed. Okay. Sorry. All right. 2004, blank decides on number 83. It says, tight end Mark Campbell picked it up after Dave Moore left the, uh, this offseason award during the team's first two minicamps and will switch back to number 84, the number he wore during 2003. So who had number 83 starting in 2004 and would have it for the duration of his Bills tenure, which was seven-ish seasons or so. The Evans. The Evans, very good. You might Ooh. be wearing that jersey right now, Scott, so it would have been. I feel like I'd need to get that one, yeah. Right. All right. 2001, hmm. Bills release blank. The Bills today released running back blank. Blank was the team's first round draft choice in 1997 and put together his most productive season in 98 when he rushed for 1,124 yards as he's starting running back. This is Antoine Smith. Antoine Smith. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is the one we're going to have to, this is not a football player on the answer to this one for 1996. So here we go. Buffalo Bills QB Jim Kelly weds. It says Kelly and Jill Wagner tied the knot in a Roman Catholic service at St. Christopher's Church with more than 600 guests. It talks about what they wore. Marv Levy was there. It was the social event of the year with 300 fans waiting outside the church to see the couple. They met at one of Kelly's famous post-game bashes in 1992. And the newlyweds were reportedly planning to honeymoon in blank. So basically, where did Jim Kelly go on his honeymoon? I'll only give you one guess each because this is just, you know, right. it's a popular honeymoon destination. I will say that. 
Hawaii, Niagara Falls. I was gonna say Niagara Falls. Yeah. Okay, uh, you say you. Okay, you say Niagara Falls. I'll give you Falls. another guess. I'll say it's closer to Scott than to us, Frank. Okay, so not Hawaii. Um, Zimbabwe. Oh, excellent guess, but not correct. Scott, any guesses besides Niagara Falls? Uh, uh, uh. The little country between Spain and France. <laughs> Monaco or Andorra. Andorra. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was actually Italy. Is he correct? Oh, yeah, right. okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't say which Riviera. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, all right. 1992 CBS comedy is set in Buffalo. It says the city of Buffalo is the same for a new five episode CBS sitcom. Cutters is scheduled to air in late June. Robert Hayes from Airplane plays a working class man who comes back from California to help run a Buffalo barbershop owned by his father, who is a chauvinist who's ran out half of the building to two women running a beauty salon. So there are a lot of references to the Buffalo Bills in the scripts. Uh, the history says five episodes aired in 1993, and that was it. It starred Robert Hayes, Margaret Witten, who we might remember from Major League, and Blank. Now, I'll give you the hint. Two years later, she was in Empire Records, and then the year after that, she starred in The Craft. I'm sorry. I, I looked up the show to see if it, it actually was a show. So I may have spoiled uh, it myself here. I didn't. Yeah. Think, I thought it, it never aired, but then I saw it on her IMDb page. I'm like, oh, I guess it did air in 93. So it took a while to air. It didn't air in June of 92. But All right, Scott. Yeah. So Frank is. Allison Brie. No, no. I know. Not born yet. When that I'll give other hints so for Scott was. here. There was he, she was in End of Days, and then she had good TV uh, presence with Prison Break, and then especially on The Mentalist, which she was on for like oh. eight years. Oh, I know. I think I know who you're talking about now, but I don't. Yep. Uh, but I don't right know on. her name. Yeah. All right, Frank, you want to tell him? It looks like Robin Tunney, who Robin I would not Tunney, have. Yes. Who I would not have known her name either, to be fair. Uh, I loved Robin Tani. She's she's the bomb. All right. I want to see if I can find cutters on YouTube. Like clips? I didn't even try to find clips. Cutters, sitcom, YouTube. Okay, go keep going. I'll uh, I'll if I come up with anything, I'll let you know. Go ahead. All right. All the remaining questions are football questions. So, um, I think 1990 minicamp produces trio of early injuries. It says, during the morning session, wide receiver Deval Glover suffered a broken leg. Uh, he was an upstate New York native. He never played in the NFL then, unfortunately. In the afternoon, fullback Blank sustained a mild concussion. It said Blank looked a bit trimmer and seemed to move with greater ease, and in his previous two seasons, fell on his head while catching a pass. So 1990, fullback. He'd already been on the team two years. He played on the team a couple more years before he was displaced by another fullback. He was in Tecmo Super Bowl, if it helps. Kenneth Davis? Oh, but he was in Tecmo Super Bowl. Think more uh, fullback than running back. Big guy. Bo Jackson. Uh, he was a big guy. <laughs> All right. We'll move on because I feel we could guess forever on this one. Uh, Jamie Mueller. I don't know if that name is. Jamie Mueller. Yeah. All right. Oh, so Robin Tunney looks great in this photo. I, I, all I found was a cast photo. That's it. Yeah. I'll pass along. She looks great. She's like yeah. 19. She looks great now, and she's like 46. 47. 47. Jeez. Yeah. Hopefully, I look that good at 47. All right. Um, 1983. Blank likely leaving Buffalo. 
says running back blank announced that 1983 would probably be his last season with the bills and that he was going to sign a future services contract with the USFL. He was the AFC rookie of the year for the 1980 season and was a starter for the pro bowl. And then he was a pro bowler his next two years as well. Um, gotta be Joe Cribs. Joe Cribs. Wow. I had all these hints, Frank. And you're like, I don't even need, I had literally four paragraphs of hints here and you were, you didn't need them. So yeah, take that is. with your hints. Yep. So that was indeed the uh, Bills' fourth all-time leading rusher behind Thurman O.J. and Fred, Mr. Joe Cribbs. All right, this is the first true test. 1966. So you guys were really young when this happened. Um, Bill Giants sign Bills blank move could provoke pro-grid war. So the article uh, says... Blank, the Hungarian soccer-style place kicker who played out his option with Buffalo in the American Football League, signed Tuesday with the New York Giants of the NFL in a move that may bring war between the rival pro leagues. The former Cornell kicker who set records at Buffalo with 28 field goals refused to sign with the Bills in 1965, played out his option, became a free agent on May 1. Wellington Mara, president of the Giants, refused to disclose salary terms other than to emphasize no bonus was paid. This is... His Wikipedia page does say he sparked the war between the leagues, is what they say, and effectively expediting the subsequent AFL-NFL merger agreement in June. He is also the first Hungarian to play in the National Football League and is the Bills' 16th all-time leading scorer, one point ahead of Joe Cribbs and seven points behind Fred Jackson, and the 88th leading scorer in NFL history. He is also on the Giants' ring of honor, but not the Bills'. I might just give the answer because I feel like this name would either pop to you or it's just not there. Um, uh, Ramsey's the second. Tyrone Wheatley. Pete Gogolak. Yeah, Pete Gogolak. Of course, he was my next guess. <laughs> All right. And this last question, and this is kind of a tribute one. Uh, <laughs> 1963 blank loses his battle with leukemia says i know let's end on a bright note Uh, some guy who died in 1963 but this is a notable guy um the bills selected heisman trophy winner blank from syracuse with their first pick who grew up in nearby elmira he was drafted by washington of the nfl too however since that team was led by avowed racist george preston marshall and had only drafted oh. blank as a token black to avoid the Redskins losing the Redskins stadium. At least that's the quote. He right. refused to play for the Redskins. It says, unfortunately for all parties, because the Browns had also drafted him, and there was rumors that he would go and play for the Browns instead of, uh, or no, no, excuse me, Washington traded him to the Browns, knowing he would never play there. So he was signing with the Browns. He was diagnosed with acute monoc- monocytic leukemia in the summer of 62. Uh, the Browns had to borrow yeah. a plane for team and then the cancer returned and he died today in 1963 there's i watched a huge movie. yeah there, there's a big movie about him too what was his yeah. name it's not jim brown it's the other it's right because he uh, never did actually play in the nfl i can't remember the movie either let me take a look at the like i remember i remember it happening maybe if i can title the movie that will help too uh the express i believe was the name of the movie yeah that's right the something somebody somebody story 
it was a good movie, and I feel bad for for poo pooing it now. I didn't realize the right the, the historical. Well, I told you this same those headlines was fired today. Like we just ended up with a lot of great great headlines. Um, why don't you tell us the name? Sure, it's uh, the great Ernie Ernie Davis. Well, I almost Ernie called Ernie Davis. Brown. I was looking at pictures of him in the Browns uniform. That's right. Heisman Trophy winner, one of the last Heisman Trophy winners to never even uh, make it to training camp with the team, to my knowledge. Um, passed away on this day in 1963. I did not see much about it on social media today, which is a shame, but you heard about it here today on this day in Bill's headlines for May 18th. Um, I just like you. Thank you, as always. I'm going to look at the Robin Tunney photo now. Okay, yes. I'm going to, I'm just going to also mention quickly uh, that. In our search, in my search for something about cutters, including any video, which I didn't find, I found an ebook that's on Google Books um, called Single Season Sitcoms of the 1990s, A Complete Guide. What? I'm what? not kidding. I'm going to link it to you. It's a whole what? book that is literally – it's yours for $16.19 uh, <laughs> $16. by Bob Lezak or Les Lezak. I apologize for, uh, if I'm mispronouncing that name. I'm going to link it to you. And he has basically like a, at least in the case of Cutters, about a two-paragraph write-up of the show. And I think I'm going to read it here, um, just parts of it. Five episodes videotaped in front of a live audience. Cutters in recent years has taken on a new meaning, those inclined to injure themselves. In 1993, however, it was a short-lived sitcom set in Harry's Barbershop in Buffalo, New York. The opening credits display a mixture of old-time barbershops and wacky modern-day hairstyles. Airplane star Robert Hayes plays Joe Palachek, uh, a man who has returned home to Buffalo to assist his cranky, widowed, football-loving dad, Harry, in his struggling tonsillar parlor. Um, big deal that they're of Polish descent, which of course is a That's thing. That's a in Buffalo, Buffalo thing. We got a, a heavy Buffalo. Polish population. You yeah. do, you do. Um, and in 1993, of course, we were at, at our peak of sensitivity towards the Polish community. So I'm sure there was plenty of you know, <laughs> non-derogatory jokes. Joe tried to make it as a professional golfer, but didn't earn enough money to survive on the tour. Harry's business is currently in the red, but the beauty salon next door is flourishing in and in the black, Joe suggests that the wall be t between the two businesses be taken down to maximize potential. Joe and Harry never do quite adjust to the frilly and girly mimosa serving atmosphere of Adrian's of Buffalo and rue that decision. Regular male customers such as goofy, bespectable Chad Connors find themselves very <laughs> ill at ease with the changes. On the estrogen laden side of the parlor, which is that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm reading along. With this I mean, like from the book. It's at some was he just like I gotta I you know he, sometimes you should just say on the women's side of the parlor instead of like looking like I realize it's probably the seven thousandth time he's written the word women's and he just wanted to come up with something yeah. else but come on yeah on the estrogen laden side of the parlor are Adrian St John the owner Deborah Hart the manicurist Troy King a gay African American former Olympic track star wow that checked all the boxes didn't it. <laughs> They were, they were like, we need some diversity on this show, but we right, can only and we're going to we we're gonna so shove it all in one character. character. All the things. Yeah. <laughs> and Lynn Fletcher with. Uh, but to be fair, at least there was a character. Right. What? Anyway, I don't know. I mean, it was uh, 1992. There wasn't always a character. So exactly. those are the makers of cutters for that. Right. 
And Lynn Fletcher, with whom Joe has set a rule that dating customers is off limits. Enforcing that rule, however, proves problematic. Cutters is just another in a series of short-lived sitcoms set in barbershops following the Dom DeLuise show, That's My Mama, Common Law, see entry, also in 90s, and David Brenner's NBC sitcom Snip from James Comack that never aired in the U.S. despite a lot of hype. After only five short weeks, Cutters was cut by CBS. Uh, And that's the full entry for Cutters in this amazing book that has at least 46 pages because that's the page this is on uh that is just you know blurb after blurb of you know not multi-season 90s sitcoms Mm. single season sitcoms of the 1990s a complete guide to be fair it is one more book than than i have ever written in to completion so uh congratulations available on google books today and the guy who played the african-american gay track star was on like at least three other shows i found already that were one season in the 90s including misery loves company with christopher milani which we all remember uh airing on fox from october 1st until october 22nd of 1995 <laughs> on, fox. Okay. on fox uh all right Dennis Rodman uh, had a guest star on that show. If you would like to see video of our short-lived uh, sitcom of the same name of the podcast, maybe next year, don't Google it. Just you know, send us an email maybe next year uh, at gmail.com or tweet us MNY Bills uh, or go to bbillsmny on facebook.com or search Buffalo Bills maybe next year. Please don't call me Hitler on Twitter. I've had enough of that. Thank you. Um, and really, like, uncalled for. So anyway, uh, but we're, we are here. We are here to talk bills. We're here to talk the amount of coronavirus as is appropriate to a football podcast. We do appreciate you listening um, with the state moving towards allowing some sort of activity for football. Um, we will hopefully have some more things to talk about uh, sh- soon. Um, I guess we didn't even really talk about Josh Allen, apparently like going on a road trip and visiting some of his teammates, but we can talk about that next time. Um, but until we have more to talk about, thank you very much for listening. Please stay safe. Um, please use your best judgment and wash your hands and stuff. And thank you very much. Until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone. <laughs>